Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Ministry Moment with Pastor Steve. Hey, today we're going to talk about the subject, how to have the desires of your heart. Now, that could be a little bit tricky there because if you hear that and you think, well, great, fantastic, I'm going to get to find out right now how to have everything I want, you're really going to be shocked because that's not what we're really talking about. We're going to look at this today out of the awesome chapter in Psalm, in Psalm 37. I'm sure you've heard it many a times, but let's look at it right now. Psalm 37, I'm going to read verse 3. Trust in the Lord and do what is good. Dwell in the land and live securely. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, all my life growing up, I heard that, and I heard it preached. And when I heard it preached, I heard people uh, that basically said, you know, hey, you know, make Jesus your joy. Make Jesus your happiness. Make him uh, your reason for living. And all that is true, but th- there's a real defining word in Psalm 37, a Hebrew word that really defines and gives great definition to the secret as a Christian or a Christ follower to having the things, not just the desires that you, of, your, of your heart, but watch this, the desires of your heart that really are designed for you, they're the best for you, they're healthy for you, they produce joy in life for you. Because guys, listen to me. The desires of our heart, if not combined with the heart of God, may not actually be what we really want and what's best for us. I mean, think about it this way. How many times have you thought you needed something or wanted something and make you happy or be the answer for your career, your business, uh, your relationship, and you got it and you found out, man, it was the worst decision ever that you never should have got that thing. You see, sometimes our desires, most of the time, by the way, our desires are often clouded with and have poor judgment because we don't see the full picture. Well, you see, the first thing we see here in Psalm 27 is the word trust. If you're a a child of God, you got to trust that God in his deity and in his greatness and in his being a father has a plan for us. Jeremiah 29, 11, you know, it says, I know the thoughts and the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Their plans for a future, a good welfare, not disaster, a future, a hope, an expected end. And so the first thing, if you're going to really have and be positioned for the best that God has for you in life, my friend, is you really got to believe, number one, that he knows what's best for you. And number two, he has it for you. And number three, there ain't nothing that can keep it back from you as long as your heart aligns with his heart. And see, this is the dilemma now, is that issue of the heart. You see, many people that call themselves Christians are religious instead of have relationship with. I don't have a lot of time uh, to talk about this, but there's a big difference between religion and relationship. Religion is a matter of rites and rituals, And relationship is a matter of the heart. And God came to earth through the form of Jesus Christ, the Son, so that we could know Him. 
and have a relationship with him or be influenced by him. In Matthew 7, 21 through 23, it talks about that, how many people are going to stand before Christ and say, Lord, look what we've done. We've done all these things. And he looks at him and says, man, I don't even know you. We have no relationship. My words didn't influence your life. My ideas and my heart didn't influence. I didn't know you. You were lawless. And that word lawless is iniquity. And, and it means that you weren't influenced by my heart. You see, this is the difference between religion and relationship. It's a heart issue. You know, in my house, we have a refrigerator that when you walk in, you can see it openly. And there's not a, a set of rules on that refrigerator. And it's not because there's not any rules. Shoot, we're married. If you're married, you have rules. I often joke with the people that I pastor and say, the reason that there's no uh, rules on the refrigerator because there's not a big enough refrigerator. Certainly there's rules in a relationship, but what determines the relationship from being a religious relationship of having to do it or a relationship, a, a loving relationship of wanting to do it is that right there is why do you do it? Do you do it because if you you do it because I want to be a good husband, or do you do it because you love your wife? And friend, there's a big difference, and it seems like a fine line right there. But that's a difference between religion and relationship. Why you do what you do? Do you do what you do in the name of God because well you think it makes you a good Christian? You think it makes him happy, with, or do you do it because you love him? And to me, that I said to me, that's the simplest definition between religion and relationship. And oftentimes we as Christ followers think that it's what we do that pleases God. Now listen to me. Your righteousness is as a filthy rag. My wife don't like me to talk about this. It can be quite disgusting. But that filthy rag has to do with the, uh, the, the a woman's menstrual cycle and the cloth that was wore uh, to capture the, 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 the dirty blood. And the prophet says, and the New Testament says that your righteousness is like a filthy rag. In other words, there's nothing you can do that pleases God except have a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. For Jesus, it says, is our righteousness. You see, guys, Jesus came that we could have life and have it more abundantly. He wants us to have joy in this life, peace in this life, success in this life. But all the things that he wants to give us right now, they're attached to eternity. I think that's something you should hear right now. I believe in a good life now, but not in a good life now that keeps you from eternity. Every good and perfect gift that comes from God above has an eternal attachment to it. In other words, God will not give you anything on earth that'll cause you to be separated from him eternally. So that's why we need God's wisdom. And that's why we need to trust God that the decisions that God has for us, the ideas, or let's call it his commandments or his ways of thinking for our lives, we've got to trust that they're good. You see, in the Old Testament, everybody had to keep a set of rules. Those were given because of the covenant that was broken in the Garden of Eden. God put a tree there in the Garden of Eden and said, don't eat of it. I want a relationship with you, but in order to have a relationship with you, in order for you to have my best, you have to have a choice of opposition. And they chose, and they chose the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and they were separated from all the good of God. So Jesus Christ comes back into the picture. He dies on the cross, raises from the dead, 
so that we can have that relationship and begin to experience the good of God, not just the earthly good of God, but the eternal good of God. And so we read in this Old Testament scripture by the psalmist David, delight thyself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. But what we find in the New Testament is in Galatians chapter 5, you go on down a little bit, and let me get back there. I'm going to read this to you. It tells us that we should walk in the Spirit, starting in verse 16, so we don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. Well, what's the lust of the flesh? Those are, that's all those desires that keep us from the very good of God. You see, we often think we know what's best for us, but it takes a real trust and faith to say, God, I don't understand why you want me to do this or don't want me to do that, but I trust that if I follow your heart, I will have what's best for my life. You see, because the flesh lusts against the spirit, the spirit against the flesh. These things are contrary one to the other, Paul says, and You often find that you cannot do the things you really want to do or have the things you really want to have because those desires are so contrary to what God wants. Now, I don't know about you guys, but while I'm living on earth, I want the best that God has for me. I want the best that God has for my children. And if that's going to happen, the New Testament word is walk in the spirit. That means you got to stay in step. It's a military term. That means stay in step with God's heart. So what is the will of God or what is a commandment of God? In 1 John 5, 3, it says, this is how you know you love God if you keep his commandments. Is that the 10 commandments? Well, no. Yes, God's heart we find in the 10 commandments, but the New Testament brings a new law. It's the law of the spirit of life. It's the law of the spirit. And it means this, it's be in position, getting your heart in position to be influenced by the mind of God and the heart of God. You see, New Testament covenant or New Testament, New Testament commandment positions us to hear when Jesus died on the cross, it positioned us to hear the voice of God, to hear the spirit of God, unlike the law. In the law, only a priest could one time a year go to God on behalf of the people. But in the New Testament, we receive the Spirit of God and are now able to hear God's voice in very intimate ways. And so the New Testament says, walk in the Spirit. The the Old Testament says, delight thyself in the Lord. And he, in fact, will give you the desires of of your heart. And so here we're going to look at that right there, Psalm 37, and we're going to look at the word delight. The word delight doesn't mean to be happy, to be joyous. That word delight is a Hebrew word, onog. It paints the picture of a potter at a wheel, shaping clay in his hands. So it'd be better said this, delight thyself, be soft, pliable, and shapeable in the hands of God, in the hands of the potter, and you will have the desires of your heart. Let me ask you this question. If you become shapeable and formable 
to the heart and the desires of God, why wouldn't you get everything you want? Because now you will only desire, my friend, everything that God wants you to have. It's when you become shapeable and moldable and submittable to the mind of God, the heart of God, the will of God, that you can with confidence know that you will in fact have everything and anything that you need in life that'll make you happy, that'll give you joy, that'll help you accomplish your purpose. Why? Because you won't want anything else. That's the secret to Psalm 37. Delight yourself. Be soft, moldable, shapeable, and pliable. If you do that, I guarantee you, friend, that you'll be positioned at the right place at the right time. You'll always have what you need, not what you want, but what you need because everything that God wants to give you in this life is not only to make you happy now, but it has an eternal attachment to make sure that you have your position eternally secured with Him. So we find out in this set in the scripture that it's 100% possible to have the desires of your heart And those desires are nothing more than God's desires. When you and I walk in the Spirit, we say no to the flesh. We submit our lives to God and His will. We do the things we do, not because we have to or because it makes us a good Christian, but we read the Bible because we want to know Him. The psalmist in Psalm 40 says, I delight to do thy will, O God. Thy law is written in my heart. In 1 John 5, 3, it says that if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. In Titus 1, it says this. It says, I I long to know him. I long to know him. Guys, in Philippians, Paul writes, I long to know him and the fellowship of his suffering. Why? Because these men learn the unprecedented truth that it's when we're yielded to the very heart of God, the leadership of the Holy Spirit in our life, it's then that we always can be certain and assured that we'll have whatever we need in our life at that time. During this season of our lives, during the season of your life, that you may be saying, God, I don't understand why I don't have this or have that. I feel like I need that to be happy. Guys, you got to go back to, do you trust that God has a plan for you? If there's an area of your life that you've asked God for something and you're not getting it, do you trust that there's a reason why? Now listen, if you're not trusting his heart, if you're not in fellowship with his commandments, if you're not soft and pliable, if you're not obeying God, if you're disobedient to the written word and you're also disobedient to the leadership of the Holy Spirit because your desires are are so separate from His, well, you can count on it. You're probably not going to have the good that God has for you. But if you'll set your heart, as in 1 John says, to love His commandments, if you'll set yourself to trust that He has a plan for you, then I can guarantee you, my friend, that you'll always be positioned to have God's best for your life. I love you all. Thank you so much for spending this time with me again right now. And know this, you can have the desires of your heart. It's as simple as making your life available, moldable, and shapeable. It's as simple as waking up every morning 
and saying, Lord Jesus, today, I want to live a life that pleases you. Guide me and direct me. May every step I take be shaped by you, guided by your Holy Spirit, so that every desire that I have today is filtered through your heart and your word so that one day I can stand before you and have you say to me, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joys of the Lord forever. You loved my will. You loved my father's will. I do not want to hear him say, depart from me, you that worked your own will. Religion minus relationship, guys, is certain death eternally. But if you'll combine your religious activity with the relationship of Jesus Christ that says, I love to do thy will, O God, I can promise you in this life, you'll always have what you need. And if you trust that, what you need will always bring great joy. And then the scripture will be fulfilled that I have come to give you life and that you can have that life more abundantly. God bless you. Have a great rest of a week. We'll see you next week.